It is going to be a blast. Let me encourage you. Get your kids signed up. This is, we have a limit on what we can do as far as kids are concerned. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be an opportunity for us, to, for the kids to learn about the Lord. It's going to be an opportunity for them to encounter the Holy Spirit, to experience being part of community. It's all the right things that you want a child to experience. So get your kids signed up. I'm not telling you to kidnap anybody else's child, but this would be a, a, an opportunity for you to maybe influence somebody in your neighborhood to connect with Crosstown and to get their child coming for this great VBS. It's going to be amazing. Well, welcome to Crosstown. And uh, is this Memorial Day weekend? Um, 85 degrees, sunny, boating, fishing, beach weather, just absolutely amazing. Uh, if you are visiting from out of town, I'd like to offer an official apology. And I just want to let you know, this is the way it is all the time here. You don't want to move here. This is it. This is it. It doesn't get any better than this. Um, but uh, we want to welcome you here today. Matter of fact, it is Memorial Day weekend, and, and for me, as a veteran, you know, Veterans Day is really cool, and July 4th is awesome, and why wouldn't it be awesome? But Memorial Day is like the holy day of all days as a country, because, you know, I did my five years and got out, and uh, there was, you know, I was up in D.C. doing crypto work. Nobody was showing, shooting at me, and, but there are people who have given their lives for this country. It's all from the very beginning uh, on all kinds of uh, foreign fields and also here in America, people have sacrificed their lives. Their ability to go forward and have children, grandchildren, be with their families, all that were sacrificed so that you and I, so you may not think this is a perfect country. And before you let your ideology destroy the country that we're in right now, Remember, the freedom to even have an ideology was granted to you by people who were willing to pay an incredible price. And so if we could just stop in this moment, just thank God for the sacrifice that was made. Father, thank you so much for the men and women who God that gave everything so that we could experience freedom. Thank you for this country. And I know, God, we get into um, arguments and we get into social media and we post things and, and we say all kinds of things about our country and our, and our neighbor. And I know that the politics and all that stuff, Lord God, can become an incredible mess. But today we stop and we are thankful for the men and women who gave their lives that we may have an opinion so that we may have a life. Thank you, God. Uh, for the incredible sacrifice of these people. Help us to appreciate our country before we open our mouths to complain about it. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we started a series last week called Zion, and it kind of happened around my trip to Zion National Park. Uh, you know, whenever I have an experience, I like to kind of bring God into it and let God talk to me about it. So we went to Zion, and uh, absolutely beautiful if you haven't been there, uh, steal a car. Um, there's always an RV in somebody's yard. Just go take it. They'll never even know it's gone. They'll probably be glad you took the RV. You know, just take it and go and go to Zion. Absolutely amazing. It is beautiful and, it, and it's marked with beauty. And that's what Zion means in the original Hebrew where we get the word from. But it is absolutely marked with beauty. It, it's marked to be a place where you experience incredible nature and beauty. But not everybody has the same experience. And I showed you last week a little bit of a video from my own personal life because I rented this $3,000 lens. I have this amazing Sony Alpha 7 III camera. So I, I couldn't afford the lens, so I rented it, flew it in from New York, had this incredible camera, and, and I was ready to take the best pictures that you've ever seen in your life. So we go there and and, and I get there, and, and I didn't expect to be afraid of heights. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I'm a mountain biker. I, I love trail running, love mountain biking. I, I have, you know, 
flown my mountain bike to Colorado Springs and then rode up Cheyenne Mountain and then raced down it and absolutely no fears, Appalachian Trail, Solly, all those areas out at Nantahilla on my mountain bike. But I got there at Zion and we started walking some of those trails and all of a sudden Papa was up against the wall. Pamba was like doing this thing, let me get, get down here. And I told you guys, we all went to go see the sunrise, sunset in Canyon Overview, and I freaked. And I spent an hour and a half in the van waiting for the sunrise to be over while my grandchildren and the rest of the family were taking these incredible photos. I took my camera and gave it to my daughter. And I really literally said, save yourself. Here, take the camera to get me a good one. And uh, where are you going, Dad? I'm, I'm going back to the van. And so the thing is, just because you're in the park, not everybody's having the exact same views. And it really comes down to, uh, are you willing to do the trails? It's not whether or not Zion fails you, it's whether or not you fail you. It's whether or not you decide that you're not going to encounter all that Zion has to offer. So some of you were kind of like real poo-pooing me after the service. And like, I can't believe you were scared. I would have done it. I've gone to, you know, Cedar Point up in Ohio and rode a roller coaster. And I can't believe you're such a wimp. So before you judge me any further, did, I, did that sound bitter? Did, I, did that sound a little bitter? I, maybe it did. I don't know. But I want to show you one of these trails that you need. You want the best pictures that Zion National Park has to offer. You want to get the best look. This is the trail. It is called Angel's Landing. And before you judge me, I want you to take a look at this video and tell me if you would go on this trail. Let's watch. Angel's Landing is probably the most iconic trail in Zion National Park and often voted one of the most dangerous hikes in the United States. The trail is not particularly long at only 4.5 miles round trip, but it gains over 1,500 feet of elevation to reach the summit with a good amount of that elevation at the end. Make no mistake, the last half mile of this trail is crazy and should not be taken lightly as people have died from falls in this section. You can hike all the way up to Scout's Overlook without any crazy sections, so you can stop there and get some great views. As you leave Scout's Overlook, you'll begin hiking up the side of the mountain to reach the summit. There are sections here with 1200 foot drops without even as much as a chain protecting you from the edge. It is a doable hike for many people, but is not one you should attempt if you're afraid of heights or are not prepared. Also, the trail now requires a permit in order to hike it, so be sure to grab one before you go. Once you get to the top of the first section, you'll be at a good viewpoint that lets you look down into the canyon and up towards Angel's Landing. So this area is called Decision Point, because right here you have to decide whether you want to climb up that crazy freaking thing or not. To get to the top of Angel's Landing from here, it's only a few hundred feet of elevation gain. I brought my little 360 camera with a selfie stick because I thought it would help to show you what the trail looked like from above. These 360 shots make it look worse than it is, but it does give you a good understanding of how narrow the trail can be. It just continues to get more narrow here and the drops just continue to get crazier, especially looking back the way that you've already came. Once you make it to the top area, it's actually funny how wide it feels up there after what you've just accomplished. As you walk across the official summit, there's lots of places where you can sit and just soak in the views and have a snack. There's the parking lot right there. Here, all the way up here. The views from here are absolutely incredible, making all of the work that you did to get here worth it. Do remember though, you have to go down, which is pretty crazy as you're descending the spine. So there you have it. Okay, yeah, so you know, I told you it's a little bit of a freak out, you know, when you get up there. Um, okay, so let's just see, with a show of hands, how many of you would do that trail? Let me just, okay, we're writing your name down right now. We're making sure that you're gonna, okay, all right, that's cool. But a lot of us have a little bit of a problem with it, and even though it, it's probably a difficult trail, even though the uh, experience, I mean, the uh, heights were there, if you did it, 
if you're willing to put in the work, if you were willing to challenge your fears, you got the best views of Zion Park. And how we learned this is exactly how it is as being a Christian. We're all in the park as a result of entering into a relationship with God through Jesus. We are all part of Zion. We have all been marked in Christ. We are marked by God. We are in Zion. We are in the park. But the thing is, not all of us are having the same experience. Some of us are not willing to walk the trails. We have been Zioned. We have been marked to experience goodness and truth and love. We have been mocked by God. We have been mocked for God. We have been mocked um, as gods. We are his. We have been mocked so that we will have this experience of God, the beauty of God, the truth of God in our lives. That's what Zion is all about. But all too willing, too often, we're just not willing to do the trails. You know, it wasn't because I wasn't athletic enough. I mean, my grandkids kind of made fun of me a little bit, you know, and uh, I called fire down from heaven upon them, and they were consumed. Uh, and so, uh, but they, they kind of made fun of me, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, really? I'll race you. I'll race you right now. All right, we're going to go rent mountain bikes. We're going to go rent, I'm, I remember, I'm telling this to like my 10-year-old grandson, oh, really? I'll fight you, you know, and it's like, but it didn't matter if I had the best camera. Didn't matter if I had the best lens. I did. Didn't matter if I have really good technique with landscape photography. It doesn't matter. You can have all that. But if you're not willing to take the trail, if you're not willing to have your presuppositions challenged, if you're not willing to have your point of view challenged, if you're not willing to put in the work to encounter and experience God, you're walking out of Zion National Park and you're saying, eh, I don't know what the big deal is. We rode the tram. The trams were too crowded. The bus were too crowded. I didn't like the cafeteria food. And it's like, yeah, you were in Zion and you experienced Zion, but your experience is totally different. God is not failing anybody in this room. The church, Christianity is not failing. It's not like, well, you know, I tried Christianity for about a month or so, or I went up and got a prayer, prayed for me, and it didn't work. I tried it. I read the Bible once, didn't really happen. It's like, oh, really? Okay. So, you know, Zion sucks because I didn't get any good pictures. All my pictures, it's interesting, I noticed this, all my pictures are from the ground looking up. Everybody who takes trails gets what they get, pictures from the up looking down. They get a divine perspective. All I've got is a human perspective of Zion because I'm always looking up. But there are people who get this incredible shot. And that's what God wants us to have. He doesn't want us look, looking at concepts like marriage, life, generosity, um, brotherhood, sisterhood, fellowship, all those things from the ground looking up. He wants us to experience them looking from his vantage point. But we gotta be willing to take the trail. So today we're gonna be talking about one of the trails that a lot of us aren't willing to walk um, at times. And as a result of it, we kind of think, ah, church, yeah, God, Christianity, yeah. But it, just like it's not Zion's fault that I did not get good photos, it wasn't the park ranger's fault that I didn't get good photos. It wasn't because the rock faces weren't beautiful and the sunsets weren't amazing and the iron ore in the rocks weren't red and gorgeous. It wasn't, no, it was because I was not willing to take the trail. And I'm here to present to you that that's part of the feeling or part of the blah of Christianity is that some of us aren't taking trails anymore. Some of us aren't willing to take the hike. And God has invited us and has marked a trail that he invites us to experience him. God loves us, uh, or we love God because he first loved us. God made a trail, and then we're invited to follow him and to encounter him on that trail. So we encounter, he invites us to relationship with him. Listen to the scriptures. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. You know, the person that's willing to take the trail person who's willing to take uh, and test and to see that the Lord is good, who's willing to take refuge, to hike with God, to know God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I love the way Jesus says it in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's like 
Come and take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's already blazed the trail. It's not like we're walking through woods and throwing you know, brown bears out of the way. I mean, he's, he's marked it off. He's put the trails. He's put signs there. He's pointing arrows. He's made it all possible for us. Is there work involved in growing in your relationship with God? Yes. Is there, do you have to put the effort in to know him more? Absolutely. But he's inviting us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Learn of me. Grow in relationship with me. The invitation is from God, and the trail has already been marked off by the grace of God in Christ Jesus. So now we have to determine if we really want the views of God that only the trail can offer. And so we've got to decide, is, is God really worth it? Is, do we really want the view of God? Uh, it will challenge you. It will uh, challenge your comfort zone. God will speak to you and talk to you on the trail. Um, he'll teach you. He'll correct you. He'll change your point of view on some things. He'll challenge your point of view on things. He'll require you to put in the work and to become a disciple of his, to pick up the cross and follow after him and, and to learn more about him. It, it really will. If you want the best views of marriage, if you want the best views of life, if you want the best views in your mind again and free from addiction and, and all the other views that have messed up your life, if you want that, you've got to be willing to take the hike with God. So the Bible gives us this amazing story that ends up at a mountain. Uh, and it's a story where God is leading Israel through the desert to the mountain of God to meet with him. Okay, so this whole group of people get delivered from Egypt. They're kind of like us. They got born again. They went through the water, came out of the other side. They're, they're hiking with that. And, and just like, maybe, uh, maybe just like us in the Bible Belt, they got saved. They're not going to hell. And so they thought the journey was over. That's all you got to do is ask Jesus Christ in your heart and you shall be saved. And now you've, you've got it all done. And they're kind of like, hey, that's pretty much cool. So they uh, send Moses and Joshua up the hill. I don't know why they're not going up the hill. But they send Moses and Joshua up the hill to meet with God. So Moses takes the hike up the mountain with Joshua, and all the rest of the people are staying in that little itty-bitty parking lot. Okay, so there, remember that little, little parking lot he was trying to point out to us on Angel's Landing? It's like, there's the parking lot down there. Well, all of Israel is in the parking lot. And they send up Moses and Joshua. You guys hike, we're afraid of heights. We don't, you, you go do it. So I think this story is going to reveal some things for us that happen when we don't hike and spend time with God. I also think it's going to challenge some of our faulty expectations about what God's going to do for you, what you get out of God if you do absolutely nothing with God. I think it's going to really challenge that. Um, we have this mentality, if we're just in the park, that's it, that God should just kind of bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. See, you get that at Disney World. That... That may be the park you're really looking for. There's no trails there. It's just, bleh. it's just, just vomit amazing on you. And you don't have to do anything, okay? And they'll charge you an arm and a leg for it. And, you know, uh, you get yourself a big pretzel or whatever. But, you know, you, that's most people are expecting. But the kingdom of God, Jesus is inviting us to come away with him, to know him, to learn of him, to be taught by him but then to be given an incredible view of what life is really all about, what you're all about. So Moses and Joshua go up on a hike. They got their little uh, packs on, and they go up, and they got their camel pack, you know, drinking water and all that stuff out of it. And so they head, they head up the mountain. Um, but the people down in the parking lot are in the same park, but they're having a different experience. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled around Aaron and said to him, come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. I don't know how much time had to pass. I don't know, was it a day? Was it three days? But they were like, listen, we need to get going here and uh, we need to be moving forward because we're Americans. 
We need to always getting better, richer. You know, just we got to be moving forward. Uh, we're going to need somebody else to take this lead. Uh, this is taking way too long to uh, get any results. And it really made me think about how much time am I willing to give God? You know, how much time am I willing to give him? You know, five minutes on the way to work? You know, um, what do I expect? You know, you come down on a Sunday morning, get prayer from Mr. Ben or one of the elders and, or uh, pastors here, which we encourage you to do. That's a great thing to do. But we'll be like, yeah, I went to church, spent uh, church for a few moments, and then we expect something to happen really fast. And it's like, well, if God didn't do it, we need to get somebody else in here that's going to uh, get this thing rolling. Uh, God needs to move faster. Instead of hiking to God, they would prefer uh, to make a new God. They say to him, make us a God. Uh, we, don't, we want a God right here. We want a God that you don't have to hike for. Um, we will make whatever it takes to get ahead. Remember, that's what they wanted. Make us a God to go ahead of us, to, to make me lose weight, to help me get a really hot girlfriend to make me have a really good marriage, to get me a new job, to get me more money. I need something to go ahead of me. I don't even care if it's real or not. I'll just pretend. <laughs> we'll make it and call it God. And, but whatever will move me ahead. I think it's interesting that this statement may reveal that they were really into Moses, but not really into Yahweh. See, they associated moving forward or moving on from Moses as moving on from Yahweh. Um, see, if they wanted God, they would have, if, when Moses didn't come down and they wanted Yahweh, what would they have done? Hey, uh, guys, we haven't heard from Moses and Joshua in a while. Hey, Jimmy, um, you're retired. How about you head up the mountain? And it's like, uh, take Billy with you. But uh, we want Yahweh, we want this mountain, and we want this God, we want Yahweh. We don't know where Moses is, let's send somebody else up. See, at least that would have revealed they wanted Yahweh. But they, no, they lost Moses, so they want, they want a God that replaces Moses, not Yahweh. They just want whatever will move them forward. And I think it's absolutely incredible that they did this. Um, so the evaluation is this, is they were enamored with Moses' success, not with God. And that's going to be a big challenge for you today. Why are you here? Why, we were all here for a lot of different reasons. And, and it doesn't make us bad. Some of us are here because our, our child's sick. Some of us are here because we need a new job. That gets people at church. Uh, maybe some, we're here because, well, I'm going through a divorce right now, or I'm going through a difficult time, you know? And, and it's like, uh, maybe, maybe sometimes we're enamored with the success of this, but really don't want God. Maybe we're here at Crosstown because Pastor Paul uses bad words once in a while, and he shows a lot of video, and he's kind of stupid, and that's funny, and we like come and listen to him talk. Uh, he may set himself on fire today. Who knows what he's going to do? Maybe you came because we have jumpy castles. Uh, we don't, but maybe you pick your church on a jumpy castle or because your kids like it or whatever. It's like we can, we can do this for a lot of different reasons. We can do it because of the music. We can do it because of the, the technology or whatever. We can do a lot of stuff, and, and we only want it because it moves us forward, and we don't care if it's Moses, God. We don't care. I mean, what kind of dumb people are these old ancients anyway? I mean, you know they're, they're whacked. I mean, who would actually be like this? I mean, we're reading the Bible. These are Bible people, and we know they were stupid, and we know that they were, like, worse than we are. I mean, add it all together. We have a group of people who want fast results from God and are willing to anoint anyone or anything that helps them move forward with their lives. <laughs> what kind of idiot people would do that? God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her. Yeah, us. We would exactly be these kinds of people that are willing, just give me a good pastor, give me a good youth program, and let's get along. Let's get on down the road, 
get me a new job, get me a new wife, and let's just get me healed. I'm really not concerned about the God part. So let's continue with the story. So while Pastor Moses is hiking with youth pastor Joshua, uh, because that's really what we do, isn't it? I'm supposed to go talk to God. I'm supposed to know God. You don't need to know God. I'm, I do, you pay me to do this. Um, yeah, and that's what Brian's supposed to do. He's your youth pastor. He's supposed to figure it out, figure out your screwed up 17-year-old. You know, he's supposed to show them who God is. You're a dad. You don't have to do that. You're busy. You got work. So what we do is we pay the youth pastor and the pastor to go up the hill so that they can come to hear from God and then fix, out, fix my kid in the parking lot. And it's like, you see how crazy that is? I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. So they're up there um, hiking with God, seeing God. I mean, God's like blown away Moses. Moses comes down from the mountain, his face is glowing in the dark. And, and what do we say? Wow, Moses was special. No, God was special. That's what happens when people spend time with God. It affects their souls. It transforms their lives. It affects their marriages. They change the way they walk, the way that they live. It wasn't Moses, it was Yahweh all along. But down on planet Earth, back in the parking lot, um, where the buses are, Aaron said to them, tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, which I thought was interesting, it says your sons. So if you were raised in the 70s and we called you a wimp because you were wearing an earring and you were a dude, because we used to make fun of you, I'm sorry, because apparently they did that back in the Bible times too, but your sons had, and your daughters gave up their earrings, bring them to me. But here's the part that I think is astounding. Then all the people tore the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. It's like they tore it out of their ears. Why use the word tore? Is because, you know what, the next fad that comes along that will promise us to make more money, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to get there. If I was to tell you right now, uh, Warren Buffett, one of the top five richest people in the world, will be here next Sunday, okay? Um, but I'm just going to tell you, he's going to talk for three hours, going to do a conference for three hours, uh, and this is all the seating that we have, so you need to get here early. I will tell you, you, there would be people tearing the earrings out of their ears to be here and get one of these seats. And they would listen to him for three hours because he would have the ability to move them forward in their lives. This place, I have to preach in 25 to 35 minutes before I lose most people. I have to have this church service over in an hour and 15 minutes. Um, and for me to tell you that two, wherever two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst of him, of them. <sighs> Give me Warren Buffett. These people were tearing earrings out of their ears to get whatever will move them forward in their lives. They don't want Yahweh. So he, he, so he took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, I know some of you were all enlightened, new church fangled crap, um, that uh, we don't believe in the God of the Old Testament, we only believe in the God of the New Testament, because God of the Old Testament is like, like angry all the time. Okay, he forms this molten calf, I don't know how big this thing is, and he doesn't say, this is your calf, this is your God that is going to move you forward. I don't, I don't know if God would have an issue with that. I don't know. It's like, here's your calf, here's your car, drive it. But it's like, no, this is the calf that took you out of Egypt. That would tick me off. That would really tick me off. You want to go do what you want to do? But I was the one that brought the plagues on Egypt. I was the one that moved upon Pharaoh. I was the one that opened the Red Sea. And now you're going to redefine all this. And we live in America that's redefining God. You know, we're, we're just kind of making, oh, I, 
my language. You should hear my language in my head compared to what comes out of my mouth. It's like, it's like, it's like dang, uh, I got to clean it up in there a little bit. Um, so, and now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So he fashions together whatever qualities he wants and he devotes a God, makes it into a God of their own making. Again, I think we're doing this. Um, it sounds crazy when you listen to it in this story, but think about who God is in your life, what, what you've shaped God into. I think Aaron says something that's even more outrageous that I had never seen before, but I, this time through, I, I noticed it. He says, let's, we got this, this molten thing. He says, so let's prepare for, next week, uh, for tomorrow because we're going to do a feast to the Lord. He doesn't say we're going to do a feast to our God because that would have been the word Elohim. And an Elohim was any creature or spiritual being that didn't have a body. An angel is an Elohim. Uh, demons are Elohim. They're, it's kind of like a category of, of creature. And, and so they doesn't say, yes, and we will have a feast to this little God or this, you know, little G, God. And he's like, no, 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 no. He said, let's make our God. Let's, let's put this thing together. We, and we will have a feast, but we're going to call it Yahweh. We're going to call it Yahweh. Do you ever wonder why? It's kind, of like, it's kind of like you're kissing your wife. And then you accidentally say, honey, I love you so much. And you call her by your ex-girlfriend's name. Or your ex-wife's name. How's that going to go over? You know? I mean, it's, it just sounds yucky even thinking about it. I'm just going to tell you guys, you're a dead man. You might as well just slit your throat. It's over. It's done with. You're just kind of, a, but here's the thing. They're not just making a feast to a God. They're going to call it Yahweh. And when I see that happen is that I'm hearing over and over in America, we have churches that are reinventing God and they're saying, oh no, this isn't just a God. This isn't just Buddhism. That's something different. This, this is not uh, Islam. That's something different. No, we're going to, this is Jesus. We're still going to call this Jesus. Oh, so Jesus is okay with this now, and Jesus is okay with that now, and, and Je- oh yeah, guys, because my God, we're we're gonna, we're not just gonna make another God. Because I'd be like, get on with it. You want to go to Yellowstone? Go to Yellowstone. Get the heck out of Zion. You know, you want to walk another trail? Walk another trail. Enjoy your civil liberty, but don't you dare call it Yahweh. Okay, and we're now in a culture where churches are changing. They're, they're doing church, not newfangled. Yeah, we got all the newfangled stuff also here. But they're, what they're calling Jesus is not Jesus. Jesus does not like sin. Jesus uses the word repent. Jesus uses the phrase, die to self. Jesus says, come and follow me. You know, Jesus, but, but in America, we're, we're redesigning Jesus But we're going to still use the name of Jesus. Can you see why God would kind of get a little angry about something like that? Before you say that God is vengeful, angry, and hateful in the Old Testament, it's like, I don't know, you keep poking the bear, you know? Um, I I think you just... He doesn't wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah on a whim. Sodom and Gomorrah gets wiped out 400 years God's been putting up with Sodom and Gomorrah. 400 years. The actual phrase in the King James Bible is he's long-suffering. You poke him, you poke him, you poke him. They were poking him for 400 years. He'd send them prophet after prophet after prophet, and he'd poke him, and he'd poke him, and he'd be like, listen, okay, I got to end this. So, how long is America going to poke the bear? So how long are we going to go on and say, well, my God doesn't say that's wrong. My God, I think everybody should be able to do what they wanted. I think everybody should be doing it. It's like, okay, keep poking that bear. Let's just see how that goes. Don't call it Yahweh, though. Well, I believe in God. You can believe in whatever Elohim you want. 
but there is only one true God. And he says his name is holy. Thou shalt have no engraven images before me. He says, don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. Don't steal your neighbor's stuff. He says, keep the Sabbath holy. He says, you're like, whoa, dude. It's like, yeah, that's the trail, babe. And right now, I know some of you are like, crap, I thought this was going to be a, a better church than the old ones. I hope to God it's not. I hope this Zion is engraved with the trails that lead to Yahweh himself. I'm not afraid of traveling the ancient trails to God to discover the God who loves me, who died for me. So, um, he's not the easy God. He's not the buddy Yahweh. He's not the Yahweh who thinks you're splendid. He's the Yahweh who says, come unto me all you are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. He's the Yahweh who says, turn from your wicked ways and I'll save you. He's the Yahweh who poured out his blood on the cross because you and I are screwed up. We're messed up in our heads and he loves us so much. He wants us to have a new view of life. So the next day they rose early and burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and they, people sat down to drink and rose up to play. I am a little happy about that phrase because they weren't doing any more church for any longer than anybody else. They went to the early service, knocked it out, did church, then got home, ate and drank and got on with their lives and played. It's funny that uh, it doesn't matter what God you have, it doesn't necessarily change the quality of your devotion. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, and I know some of you are here. It's Memorial Day weekend, dude. Chill out. You only have half a crowd here. We're doing church light. And I'm tempted to do that too, you know? Throw you a couple muffins your way, sing a couple cool songs. We're just not going to do church today. Um, but if I really believe Yahweh is the greatest thing you can possibly, possibly encounter, the greatest person you could ever know, then there is no Sunday off. Okay, I mean, it's, then the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, go down at once for your people whom you have brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And they have quickly turned aside from the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshiped it and have sacrificed to it and have said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. He said, they have, you need to go down because... They're screwing themselves up. I think that's so cool of God. He's not up there. It's like, well, you need to get down there right now because they're making me look stupid. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not giving me enough burnt offerings. They're not putting enough money in the offering plate. Who do they think they are, you know? He's like, no, you need to get down there because they're screwing themselves up. Why? Because false devotion only corrupts the devotee. False devotion only corrupts the devotee. And the smaller your God is, the more corruptible your worship is. See, God is not getting small. A lower small view of God doesn't lower or shrink God. It shrinks, it shrinks meaning, value, and purpose of the viewer. It's corrupting ourselves. It messes up what we think of. Why do you think we have such a screwed up view of marriage? People think it's like, because we're so stinking enlightened because we're 21st century people. Yeah, we're so stinking enlightened we can't even tell what a girl or a boy is and aren't allowed to say it in public. We're so stupid, we're letting the public school system parade drag queens in front of our children, and we're telling our kids they gotta use the right pronoun for a child who's confused or has been convinced by its mother it should be another gender. It's like, that's enlightenment? No, it's corruption. It's like, how did that happen? We lost our view of God. It's not because we've lost our view of sex. We could argue about gender all day long. You get a right view of God, it's funny, it trickles down to how husbands should treat their wives, how wives should treat their husbands, how dads should treat their kids, how kids should treat their dads. 
It's like it's just this amazing uh, trophic cascade of beauty and truth and love and belonging and value and dignity. And that's why we're losing it in America. That's why we're, we're, we're molding, shaping molding calves and stuff. We're trying to find it in sex. We're trying to find it at work. We're trying to find it in right wing. We're trying to find it in left wing. We're trying to do everything. Why? Because we've lost meaning in the middle. And God's like, Jesus, I'm gonna need you to go down there. Okay, Father. Because the people have corrupted themselves again. And Jesus comes to earth. They turned aside from the trail. They made a molten calf. I love it, the fact that God says, you need to go down there because they've made a molten calf. He doesn't even dignify them with like they made another God. God is very clear. You just made a melted thing. You just made an image. Because you're not good enough clever enough or powerful enough to even make an Elohim. God's not, it's like, no, I know you think you're impressive. And yes, you're the first doctor that did this. You're the first teacher that did this. And you're the first runner that went this fast. You're the first person to build this. You innovated that. And he's like, listen, just gonna let you guys know, you're just creating stuff, right? None of you are like God-like, Elohim-like. You know, I mean, it's not like you've risen to this high, high plane. He's like, you need to go down there because, you know, they're, they're making stuff. What will you attribute your success to? What are you going to seek to lead you from this point forward in your life? Would you be willing to do whatever it takes in order to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a better job? You know, what are you willing to do? Do you really want Yahweh or do you just want Moses or somebody as clever as Moses? Uh, are you satisfied with whatever two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of him, or would you really rather if Warren Buffett was here? These are really serious questions. These are questions that tell us, do we want to hike to know God or not? Do we want to know him? I know this has been a lot, and I could go on this. I got more notes, and I just say that so that you know that I did my job this week. Uh, but um, I think we got the point. And I hope you got the point enough that if you're like me, I, I think, you know, I, I spend five minutes with Jesus in the morning. I download my app. And, you know, oh, my God. Goodness gracious. We got apps now. We got videos. We got YouTube. Okay? And, and we're like, I, you know, I just don't understand the Bible. Stop using that excuse. We got it. We got it in CGI. We got the chosen. We got the Bible project. We got a Spotify and you can download a sermon. It's like, oh, I just, it's too hot. We got it where you can download an app and, and while the thing is playing music in the background, it leads you in prayer and all this other stuff. And it has a USB connector for your, for your uh, phone that connects to your toes and it tickles your toes while you're sitting there doing your Bible program. You know, we got it all. I mean, Jesus already died. He plows this trail to the throne of God. And his disciples are like, yeah, but could you kind of teach us to pray? And he's like, okay, I'll even spell it out for you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the Catholics add, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever, amen. It's like, now will you come visit me? It's too hard. Pastor Paul, you go here from God. You know, uh, Brian, teach my youth. But yet in the book of Hebrews, we're told, no longer will a man say to another man, know the Lord, but each man will know the Lord. That's the trail that God wants us to walk on. As, as we head into communion, which is just a taste and see moment, you're, you may be like, okay, then what are we supposed to, what's it supposed to sound like? Um, so I... I, I found a hiker in the Bible. And I want you to remember what I just read, okay? Remember the language. 
We don't know what's happened to Moses. Make us a God. So that will go before us, kind of lead us into our success. We don't know, we don't care. We'll call it Yahweh, we'll call it whatever. It's like, yeah, make that for us. So I want you to, and, and so maybe you don't know where you are in all this. It's like, am I a parking lot Christian? Or am I a, a mountain climbing Christian? So let me read to you, I read to you the parking lot Christian and they're going to heaven. And you can still go to heaven if that's a big deal for you. If you think that's better than knowing God, you can have it. But I want you to listen to what a hiker said. The Apostle Paul said, whatever things that were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord. That's a dude who hikes. That's a guy who wants to see God, to know God. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. It's the faith of the trail, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Does this sound like a guy looking for another Moses? Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I want the view that was bought for me through the life of Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Meaning just because I got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking an unknown tongue, I don't stop my hiking. I keep hiking, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm glad we're having communion because even as I read this, I feel a little bit of shame. It's like, dang. I left this trail a long time ago. That's why I love God so much is because he'll always invite you to get back on the trail. He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to restore us. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if any of you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. So when we talk about reading the Word of God, when we talk about spending time alone with Him, we talk about you should join a small group. When we talk about VBS, some of you here, oh, it's, it's just a group. I don't have to do that to go to heaven. You don't have to do small group. I don't think you have to do groups. Uh, to go to heaven. No, no, you're right. You don't. Um, I don't think. I don't think my kids need VBS. Okay, maybe. We're just going to give them a view of heaven. I, we're just going to give them a view of God. But maybe your kids don't need that. It's like, um, well, I, I really just don't have time for the Word of God. Do you have time for Warren Buffett? Do you have time for Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro? Do you have time for? Uh, um, Jordan Peterson, you know, do you have time? Now, those were my pundits. I mean, and, and you, do you have time for Spotify, fantasy football? Um, we have time. The question is, do we want God? How much more of America has to crumble before we corrupt ourselves and our families and our marriages? So today, Jesus is offering you bread and cup, and it looks like a small thing. Um, 
It does. It looks like, wow, that's really small. It's like, but it's the trail. Come unto me, all you heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Eat my body, drink my blood. So let me encourage you. The trail's been laid out. We have been invited to the trail. The trail trail has been marked. We've been even given, been given the words to pray. Even if you don't know how to talk to God. He's like, I even did that for you. The question is, do you want it? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have invited every one of us to Zion. But today you have revealed that Zion is not about dying and go to heaven. Though it includes that. Thank you that you gave us heaven. But God, you have given us something better than heaven. Christ in us, the hope of all glory. You have given us yourself. You said that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. That we are Zion, marked for God, marked for life and life abundant. And God, I, for myself, I apologize that I come to church, knock it out, go home and eat, and then rise up and and play and forget about you the rest of the week. Thank you for challenging us today because a lot of us, our marriages have lost their beauty. Our parenting has lost its way. Our minds have been corrupted. Our nation is on the precipice of destruction. Where is the hope? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and will start hiking presence of God I will hear their prayer and I will heal their land if we make the journey to know God we will know heaven even on earth thank you Father